Turn with us, please, to the book of Luke. Luke chapter number 5 tonight. Luke chapter number 5. Luke chapter number 5. Let's, let's begin in verse number 5 there. And while you're turning there again, I do say how much I appreciate all these preachers and pastors that have taken your time to come out this week. I appreciate families. We're talking about men that have taken one of the few weeks they probably could have for vacation and they sacrificed that because they value this. And I appreciate that so much. I appreciate all the sisters that's been there working and cooking and preparing, cleaning up after everybody leaves. And that's men around these altars with vacuum cleaners and ladies in those kitchens and keeping the grounds in shape and I couldn't say enough. I'm just, we're so appreciative of that. God bless you and the work you're doing right here. Luke chapter 5, verse number 5. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you're not, say give me a minute. <laughs> amen. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we've toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and, they, and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come again and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so they began to sink. Verse number 8 says, And Simon Peter saw it, not Jesus, those fish. He fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Hebrews chapter number 12 tonight, please. Verse number 1 and verse number 2. Hebrews chapter number 12, verses 1 and 2. The author of Hebrews writes these words. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness... Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Again in verse number 2, these first three words that just leap off the page. The author says this, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. So I want to speak to us for just a few moments here tonight. I don't know how long I'll be, and as always, I suppose that really doesn't matter. But let me speak to you simply on this thought tonight. Distractions. Distractions. How many of you know in these last days, Satan's going to do everything he can to take your eyes off of Jesus? Father, I ask you by your divine will, through your divine word, God, let your divine wisdom be in this house tonight. Let the goodness and grace and mercy of God go before us. Let every word spoken, said, and done bring you glory. Let the power of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God be in this place to deal with us, God. Search us, O God, and let us keep our eyes on the living God. 
Jesus, let us realize in these last of last days that hell will throw everything that it has against us. But you're calling your people to keep our eyes on you, the living Savior. We pray God meet us around these altars tonight. And for this we carefully give you glory. We give you honor and we give you praise. In Jesus' holy name we do pray. And everyone said amen. Amen. Shake somebody's hand. Tell them you're glad to be here in the house of the Lord tonight. That's it. Open your voice. Talk to them for a moment. They're too far away. You can give them a wave offering. There you go. There you go. There's a wave offering. Praise the Lord. Now, beloved, hear me tonight. The book of Hebrews is written to Christians who are beginning to take their eyes off of Jesus because the danger is becoming all around them and the going was getting tough. In fact, sometimes the tough were getting going. So very strategically, the writer writes to them. Very strategically, he puts these little words in there. But they're beautiful words. I mean, they're pinpoint targeted. They're small, but they're all so strong. When he simply says this, looking unto Jesus. It's as if a man's in a room and he just starts going in kind of a daze and then someone comes by and snaps their fingers in front of his face and he is able to refocus again. That's exactly how the word reads because it says look unto Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith and if there ever was a time and hour that we refocus on one thing, God's darling son, let it be now. Let it be here. Let it be in these last days that we don't get our mindset on a million things that mean nothing but keep our focus on the one thing that means everything there seems to be an attack in these last days and it seems like it's a as one man said death by a thousand paper cuts that's how it feels it's not necessarily one thing it's a billion small things that creep into our mind and come into our, amen, our to-do list. And we get so busy over here and we get so busy over there and we get so busy over there and we look around and somehow or another things become scattered and things become out of focus. I believe the Lord is directing our hearts again tonight and saying, come back unto me. Put your focus back on me. Let your mind be set on things that are true and just and holy and virtuous and full of praise. Lord, Look unto Jesus. Have you ever seen the picture of one of those guys getting those three rings with those tigers and, and then you know they got the whip in one hand and they got this you know chair in the other? And <laughs> you gotta be some type of guy to do that. Amen and all. But for whatever reason, it works. He takes this chair and pushes it to a tiger that could shred that man in a thousand giblets. And then that tiger just goes and kind of swats at midair. Well, there's actually a science behind that. Because when that tiger sees those four legs of that chair, he doesn't know which one to focus on. So he tries to focus on every leg at the same time. So then everything gets out of focus, and he doesn't know where to swat or who to swat. Friend, that's exactly how the enemy tries to work in your life. It's not just one battle. Good mercy. It's something over here, and then some over there. And as soon as you get this fixed, some over there explodes. And as soon as you get this done, some back there messes up. It's a billion things around beloved it's always going to be like that somewhere or another you got to stop and say Lord let me redirect my focus back on God say amen somebody friend that 
That's how this thing started, by looking under Jesus. Some of you may not remember this. I hope you do. But it started the night, the day, whenever it was where you finally looked unto the Lord, where you finally turned unto the Lord, where you finally said, I've got to see Jesus in His goodness and His glory and His mercy and His grace. Isaiah 45 and 22 said, Look unto me and be ye saved. I still believe it. If men will just look, if men will look unto Him, they can be saved. That's how it started. Charles Spurgeon said years when he was a young man, he said, I went to a nominal church, didn't even know whether or not I was saved. He said there was a winter storm that come in and a great big snow. And he said, it was so much of a snow, we couldn't have church at our home church. So I went to a little primitive Methodist church. And when I walked in there, the pastor himself couldn't be at that church because there was too much bad weather. But there was a deacon there. And the deacon said, I'm not really prepared to to preach a message, but this is what I was reading this morning. And so the deacon got up and led the service. And that's the only thing he kept saying over and over again was look unto me and be ye saved. Look unto me and be ye saved. Finally, he looked back at the church and saw a young Spurgeon and said, Sir, you look miserable. Look unto Jesus. And the preacher said that was the day thank God I looked thank God I looked I'm glad I'm glad that I looked I'm glad as a young man I found the Lord I found his mercy I found his goodness I found his grace when I looked under him brother Matthew it starts with a look and can I tell you great God of heaven one day, here's how it's going to end. With a look. Amen. First John 3 and 2. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. One day, I'm going to see face to face a man I've already met heart to heart. I'll say, thank God, I see him as he is. It starts with that look. One day it's going to cultivate with that look. But what I'm worried about is not necessarily how it started. And by the grace of God and goodness of God, how it's going to end. What I'm concerned about is all this stuff in the messy middle. Oh God, that people are getting their eyes off of Jesus. Help me, Holy Ghost. I know we're living in tumultuous times. I know we're living in messed up days. I know we're living in the days that Isaiah prophesied about where they called good evil and evil good and beat sweet water bitter and bitter water sweet. I realize these are some terrible times, but in the midst of it, God is still in control and somebody's got to keep their eyes on the living God. We got to keep preaching truth. We got to keep saying his glory his name. We got to keep magnifying him. We got to keep our focus on the main things of God's word. Can you give him praise? There ain't no one of us here that couldn't get up and for an hour and 45 minutes complain about the price of gas and our crazy government. Oh, don't act like you ain't asked questions too. And friend, if we get sidetracked with all that, we're going to take our eyes off of Jesus. 
it aggravates me like it aggravates you. But there is still a truth to be preached. Amen. That's not our world. That's their world. But this is our world. God's darling son. The truth of the gospel. The full gospel itself. Sanctified men and women on their way to heaven. These are the points we must focus on. And we can get sidetracked. Oh, Lord, help me. We can get sidetracked on Democrats, Republicans, billy goats, and bull weevils. And what you don't understand, beloved, is all that's going to go by the wayside. But God's going to have a church and God's going to have a people. And we must be men and women of the book that's looking unto Him and leaning unto Him and searching for His ways closer and closer every day in our lives. And if we're not careful, All these things will have a way of distracting us. Now, there again, because I know you can keep a secret, huh? (laughs) Boy, I'd hate for this to ever get out, man. But every now and again, I found in my life, I felt like I've just been distracted. Oh, don't look at me so sanctified. (laughs) Because you've been there too. In fact... Before you, uh, before you decide to post my name on your favorite social media network, you know, and say, hey, just want to let you know, Brother Esther said he's been distracted. And I'm telling you this just so we can pray about it. Well, you can do that. That's, but let me give you a bigger fish to fry. Let me give you a bigger name, you can tell. Let me give you a name, boy. I mean, I am small potatoes, but this guy, he's huge. I mean, he's an international bestseller. He's spoken, I mean, thousands of people have come to the Lord under his ministry. In fact, he is an apostle, and his name is Jay's name is the Apostle Peter. And the Apostle Peter represents a man that loves God. And you know what? He's prone to get distracted when other things come up. Yes, he loves God, but he's a man that takes his eyes off of God. I love Peter. But good mercy, he's probably the biggest bungler in the New Testament. If anybody's going to drop it, it's Pete. I love him. On one hand, he can take his foot and he can walk on water. On the other hand, he can look at Jesus at Mount Transfiguration and go, hey, I got a great idea. Shh, Pete, be quiet. He takes that same foot and he puts it in his mouth. I love the man. But friend, hear me. He represents something for you and me tonight. Here is a man. Yes, he loves Jesus. But throughout Scripture, you see a man that loves Jesus. And yet there's a time where he finds himself distracted from the main things. God help me tonight. Listen to what Scripture says. In Luke chapter number 5, Simon answered, said unto him, Master, we've told all the night and have taken nothing nevertheless at thy word. I let down the net. When they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and the net break. And when Simon saw it, his eyes are not on Jesus. His eyes are on his fish. When he sees it, he says, he kneels down and says, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. And he represents a man that has taken his eyes off of Savior and placed them on substance. Now for most of us, Fishing is a vacation. I mean, we, you know, drown a few worms, 
waste a few dollars, have some great memories. I wish I were a great fisherman. I am not. I got preacher friends that are. I think they invite me just so they can make fun of me. You know what I'm saying? They need somebody on the boat that doesn't catch one. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I don't know if you know Brother Lucas Hedgepath. Great brother. They was, brother, we got to go fish. Okay, we'll go. And that guy, I mean, he can reel those bass in. And as soon as he reels them in, he looks at them and smiles and he lets them go. And I think, isn't that cute? He, said, he told me one time, he said, they're my pets. I said, I don't want to talk about it. I, called, I was with him one time. I called a smallmouth bass. Emphasis on smallmouth. <laughs> Brother Andrew, I did everything I could to hold myself back and, and put that fish as close to that camera as I could. That way the fish looked big and I looked small. You know what I'm saying? That didn't work. I sent a text to my brother and my mom. I said, boy, look at that, what I caught. She said, you reckon it's going to feed four girls? I said, not unless Jesus prays over that fish. <laughs> it ain't happening. For us, fishing is a vacation. Not for Peter. It's a vocation. If Peter don't catch them fish, mama's bills don't get paid. If Peter don't catch them fish, the babies don't get no shoes. Don't nobody get no food. The lights don't burn and the bills don't get paid and taxes don't get taken care of. And everything requires one thing for Peter to come home with fish and it weighs on the man's mind. Now friend, the irony of all ironies takes place. You would think whenever that man sees that boatload of fish come on in, you'd think he would immediately look unto the Lord and say, look at how you bless me. But the tendency of man, whether it be much or whether it be little, is to take his eyes off of Savior and put them on substance and the Lord is reminding us tonight you keep your eyes on me whether you abound whether you abase you look unto me if it's little man I'm telling you what all eyes on Jesus no if it's little man looks at his substance if it's much man looks at his substance Friend, there's a place you have to come where you say whether I be abound or whether I be abased, I'm content in you, you put Paul in a five-star hotel. He's still a child of God. You put Paul underneath a tent in the desert. He's still a child of God. Whether he has much or whether he has little. Listen, I know this world, I've said it before, it's a rat race. Amen. They're doing everything they can to make one more dollar. Amen. That's not your mindset, Dad. That's not your mindset. He'll supply our every need. He'll take care of us. Our job is to keep our eyes on the Son of God and say, no matter what's happening around, no matter what we have a don't, our eyes are upon you, oh God. Sorry, Brazil story comes to my mind. I'm there with Brother Schmidt. He said, I have a German name, but I'm Brazilian. I said, I can tell. I know. He takes a church, and the Lord speaks to him and says, When you first take this church, receive no salary. And he said, It's a long story. If I were to try to receive a salary at first, my enemies would have said so. And I said, I trust you. You're, you're, you're the man of integrity. He said, I had a savings built up. But how many of you know when it's all going out, nothing's coming in? It don't take long. Now they, Brother John, they had a butter dish down there. And he said, my wife scooped the edge of that butter dish. 
And she put it on the last piece of bread. And she handed it to Brother Umberto. And she said, Umberto, this is all we have. He smiled at his wife, Brother O'Connor. And he says, God shall supply our every need. And he no sooner got them words out of his mouth that his cell phone rings. He said, and normally, you know, you find that number you don't know. You just don't even answer it. You know, he said, some crazy number from India. But he said, I answered that thing and said, is this Humberto Schmidt? He said, this is he. And that man said, you do not know me. I am not a believer. But I own such and such company. And the other day, he said, I'm in my office at my desk. And I hear a voice. And that voice tells me to tell you. I'm to give you 3,000 American dollars. <laughs> he said, you meet me at such and such place at this corner. He hangs up the phone. He says, God has met our need. God will supply every time. He told me to meet him at such and such a place. His wife said, where did he say to me? He said, meet him on the corners. She said, no, that's a dangerous place. It's a trap. He said, honey, if he is a thief, he's not a very smart thief. <laughs> Zero minus zero equals, yeah, you got it. <laughs> Matthew heard about that one man. He said, your money or your life. I said, your money or your life. And the man said, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. <laughs> we ain't, that man ain't got that problem. <laughs> he said, that car pulls up, dark tinted windows. That window goes down. He said, I looked down and I recognized that man from a meeting that I'd preached several years before. He motioned to me, of course, I do like, he motioned to me like that. I got in that car. He handed me that envelope. He said it was in American money. And I opened it 100, 200, 300, 1,000, 100, 2,000, 100, 3,000 American dollars. He said, I almost get to the place where I lift up my hands. But before I do, that driver puts his head down, never looks over at me, but puts his head down and said, By the way, that same voice said I was to do this every month. <laughs> Are you hearing me tonight? I'm talking to somebody. Get your eyes off the subject and put them back on the scene and say, God, you're, God, you're going to supply. Lord, you're able. It's your. You're the Savior. You're the provider. You're the King of kings. I wish somebody would give him praise if you know that he's able. Glory to God. Glory. He'll take care of us. He'll provide. And the hard thing for a man to realize is whether I have much or whether I have little, my job is to keep my eyes on him. Somebody said, oh, all that... That, you know, that's difficult when you don't have anything. But it's easy whenever you got something wrong. Wrong, friend. I th and I was talking to some of them young boys today. I thank God for the brothers that's going over to Africa. 
I said, man, we call that the dark continent. No, 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 Europe's the dark continent. Listen, we go over to Africa, man, we're there. We can help drill wells. We can get them some clean water, present them the gospel. You try going to Europe and look at them and say, hey, we got some clean water. They look at us and say, we don't need your water. We don't need your money. We don't need your God. They're so hard-hearted in their heart because they got so many things, got so many things, got so many things. Listen, beloved, we're not too far from it. In America, ourselves, we've replaced the power of God with a thousand little toys have occupied our time and it's robbed us of keeping our eyes on Jesus. I'm not, time out, good, you got to qualify everything. I'm not against you having things. I am against things having you. But if you were to be honest with me tonight, you have to admit, the more stuff you have, the more stuff has you. I'm not, I'm not saying go sell everything and go live in some banyay tree. That's not what I'm saying. But everything we own kind of owns us. I, th- I say this with all humility. Thank the Lord. God's blessed us. We have a beautiful home there in Kentucky. Got a beautiful backyard. Goes right into the woods. Oh, I love it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God. You don't have a problem with having that big backyard? Yeah, right. Now you got to have a big, bad lawnmower to mow the big backyard. <laughs> but wait a second. You can't just buy a big, bad lawnmower. Now you got to have a bad boy shed to put your big, bad lawnmower in so you can mow your big backyard. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I mean, everything you see, I mean, you got it, but now it's got you. And now you got to have something for this. And as soon as you got that, you got to have protected with it. And the more things that I have, the more things have got me. Swing set in the back. Thank God I know I'm behind, girls. I'm sorry. I've been meaning to get to it. It's on the to-do list. But every year, I got to restain that thing. I gotta make sure all those little bolts are good mercy. I got kids swinging on monkey bars there. If I don't tighten that thing down, somebody's gonna break a collarbone. I own it, but I think it owns me one day out of a year. Yeah, come on, man. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Somebody said, oh, oh Lord, don't even go there, but this ain't my message, but you could go there. Somebody said, Oh, look, I own this credit card. I said, No, you don't own that credit. It, A mere twenty-two percent every month it owns you. Say amen. That ain't my message, but that's close enough. Say amen. And we're getting so taken in by possessions that we're taking our eyes off of Jesus, off of Jesus. I hate to say it, Lord. I'm trying to move on because I got a little more to preach and got a little bit of time to preach. But for the most part. People now come in our churches and they say, ooh, have you seen this new app that I've downloaded? And what they don't say is, ooh, man, have you ever seen this in Scripture before? Something's wrong, friend. Something's wrong. Our eyes on Him. Preach on, preacher. Okay, I will. Thank you. Friend, the first thing we notice in Scripture is He looks to substance. And by substance, I would simply put the word possessions. But in John 21 and 19, the Bible says this. This spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to them, follow me. Verse 20, then Peter turning about seeing the disciple whom Jesus loved, following, which had leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord. 
What, what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. First is substance. Second is surroundings. First, I would write the word possessions. Secondly, I would write the word people. Can I tell you, we have some people that are professional people watchers. And they, Lord help me, they worship God all based on what they think somebody else is doing right or wrong. I would get in. I would lift my hand. But that, that sister is a hypocrite. And that man is a hypocrite. And I just can't worship God because they've got their hand raised. And they raise their hand before I raise my hand. And that means I can't raise my hand because if I raise my hand, that means I believe in how they're living. No, that don't mean believe, you believe in how they're living. That just tells me your eyes are more on them than they are on Jesus Christ. And there's got to come a place where you say, I cannot answer for how they are living, but I have to answer for how I am living. And Lord, I'm not going to look at him. and I'm going to keep my eyes on God. I mean, I'm not telling you where. I wouldn't tell you where for $100. $200, we got a deal. See me after service. Man, I could take you a few places. Okay, I'm talking about professional people watchers. They may, okay, they may not make it to the Super Bowl, but they are definitely in the playoffs. They know, they watch, they study. They could tell you what a person did three weeks before. They could even tell you what color shoes they had a month ago. Friend, their mind is so occupied on what everybody else is saying, what everybody else is doing, and they haven't looked to Jesus in eons. It's time you look to Jesus again, ma'am. It's time you look to Jesus again, sir. That is the author. That is the finisher. That is the help. That's where your mercy comes from. What about him? And Jesus says, Peter, what is that to you? You follow me. Had a preacher friend tell me one time. He said he got down and prayed. He said, God, you know what that man to that other church is doing. You know what that other man, that other church is He said, how long are you going to let that man keep doing that? How long are you going to let that man keep saying that? Yeah. And he said, the Holy Ghost spoke back to him and said, until you get to the place, it doesn't bother you anymore. <laughs> and we got folks that can't get in because they keep looking at everybody else. We got folks that can't pray through because they got their eyes on everybody else. And they're so upset about what happened at a church eight years ago that they can't worship God tonight. And they're so upset about what happened over there two states away that they can't worship God in this state right now. Listen, beloved, I don't have an answer for what they're doing and what they're doing, but you will be judged every time you come into his presence. You need to keep your eyes back on him. heard about old, old Doris and Henry's coming home from church one day. And she looks at her husband. And she says, now, Henry, did, did you notice, did you notice today how the preaching was rather weak? And he said, honey, I'll be honest with you. I didn't even notice that. 
Well, surely, surely you noticed how the choir was a little flat. He said, honey, I'll be honest with you. I didn't even notice it. <laughs> surely, surely you noticed those children that sat right in front of us that could not be still the entire service. And he said, honey, I'll be honest with you. I never even noticed it. And she said, Henry, sometimes I wonder why you even bother going to church. Don't act like it. Don't come on here. Come on. Come on. And if that's all you can comment on after you leave the that's all your mind was on when you was there. And that's all you talking about over dinner. That's all your eyes saw during service. Come on, if your eyes was on Jesus, it'd be a whole lot that you did notice and a whole lot you didn't notice. I say there'd be a whole lot you did notice and a whole lot you didn't because your eyes are upon the Lord. What about him? What about them? What about those? What about you? What about you? Young evangelist, and I'm not, I'm, okay, I'm just, I'm not old, I ain't young, I'm somewhere in the middle now, okay? So I'm not, I'm going to come like these good doctors over here, but what little bit of experience I think I could probably pass on to you is don't get in the middle of everybody else's squabbles. Leave it alone. Stay out of it. Go to that church. Put your heart into it. Love those people. And as an evangelist, you treat it like there's no other church in the entire world but that one. Your whole heart's there. And when someone says, uh, hey, uh, you know what's going on down the road, don't you? Do everything you can to smile and get out of that conversation as fast as you can. I learned a long time ago, there's some people, they do not want my input as much as they wanted my output. They don't really care what I think about it. What they want to do, Brother Justin, is say, well, you know what? I talked to Brother Zane Estes, and here's what he said about the entire situation. Blah, 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 blah. You know the best thing I can do is keep my eyes on Jesus. I can't answer for every other person. I can't answer for that. But as for me and my family, we're going to do our best, Brother Shane, to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. I know there's folks, this one's upset with that one over there. That one's upset. I'm sorry for all those things. But, Lord, that ain't got to be our conversation around the dinner table. We ain't got to let our children little ears hear anything. That's, you know what they need to be hearing? How good God is. How merciful God is. What great men God has in the church. What great dear sisters that still work. What great people that still worship Him. I'm telling somebody, keep your eyes on the Lord. Say man, somebody. I'm trying to close. I'm trying to close. I'm sorry if I've kept you too long tonight. There's a distraction. And it's substance. It's possessions. It's surroundings. It's people. Lastly tonight, Matthew 14, 28, Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come, oh, Lord. When Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked 
on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, when he saw the wind boisterous, he's afraid, began to sink, saying, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Lord, save me. <laughs> Lastly, I would simply say circumstances. And by that, I would simply write the word problems. Problems. Here's the man, Peter. He sees Jesus walking on the water. Lord, if that's you, bid me come. He takes his foot, puts it on the water. Now understand, this is not the peace be still story. This is not everything's just smooth as a placid lake whenever Peter puts his foot in that. That's not what's going on. It's like this. And Peter becomes a picture of a man doing the impossible, which is exactly what you and I do every single day walking this Christian life. Christianity is not difficult. It is impossible without Jesus Christ. You don't turn over a new leaf and live this Christian life. You have a born-again experience. And here Peter is walking one step at a time on water. You can't do that. Yes, he can if he keeps his eyes on Jesus. And we can. Times when it's up and times when it's down, we walk the impossible because we look under him and the moment we take our eyes off him we do what Peter did yeah brother says you don't know I got problems now don't raise your hand but good mercy is there anyone in here that does not have problems I actually, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm actually, I don't want to brag, but I do a little bit of poetry. And I wrote a poem one time about problems. Problems by Zane Estes. I got them, you got them, Adam had them. The end. <laughs> I wrote that, I did that just fine. Poetry. It identifies as a high cue. Amen. Doesn't have to be nowadays. You know what I'm saying? Just, thank you, thank you. God bless you, man. I got them. You, we all have them. Oh, that Adam had them, okay? Everybody's got problems. Right. Okay, everybody here. And you know what? If problems were the reason for people to backslide, this house would be empty tonight. But the reason there's men and women that are still worshiping, the means of the reason there's men and women still praising is because in spite of those circumstances, they have kept their eyes upon the Lord. They've said, Lord, things ain't great and things are far from perfect, but I'm going to keep looking. I'm going to keep leading. I'm going to keep listening. I'm going to keep loving. My God, give him glory, church. I'm just going to keep my eyes on Jesus, Brother Brown. can I go? So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what I've always done since I've come in this great way. I'm just going to keep looking unto Jesus. And God forbid, and young men, we do not need any more illustrations of somebody that's fallen by the wayside, okay? Enough. We don't need any more statistics for youth camps. We don't need, we need testimonies of men that have been through fire and flood and kept their eyes on the living God. We need testimonies of men whose worlds have been upside down and they kept their eyes on the living God. And no matter what may come their way, they just keep looking to Him. 
So if you're in this house tonight, and I close, Sister Estes, help me in this place, please. If you're in this house tonight, and you say, Brother Zane, I feel like there's a thousand stings. And I feel like my eyes are becoming to looking around at things and not him. God has brought a preacher by tonight to remind somebody, look unto Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. Keep your mind on him. Don't you put your faith in some preacher. Don't you put your faith in some person. Don't you put, no, no. keep your eyes on him. Let me tell you, if you have hero worship, the problem is this. If your hero falls, you'll fall with him. Let me tell you the great thing about Jesus. He ain't never going to fall. You ain't never got to worry about it. You ain't never got to worry about that. He is holy and will forever be holy. He was and is and is to come. Somebody give him praise. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to look to you. I'm not going to look around at people. I'm not going to keep my eyes on the things, the possessions of this world, or the problems that surround me. I'm just going to keep looking unto the Lord. Amen. And if you're in this house tonight, in substance, surroundings, or circumstances are pushing your eyes away. God's here to lift up your chin one more time and saying you can refocus tonight if you'd like. You can start any time you'd like, sister. Stand with me all over this house, church. Now, Lord willing, First thing in the morning, I'm getting my bride and my four little babies and we're heading back to Kentucky. And I shall miss you dearly. We will meet again. I've got to go. But you all have to stay in this vicinity, somewhere in this general area. And you have to be a light and you have to be a light and you have to be a light and you have to and you have to. And I've had people say before, Brother Estes, man, we need you at your best. You're right. And guess what? I need you at your best too. Well, we need our preachers at at their best. Yes, you do. And we need people at their best. And the only way I know to do that, Brother Shane, is if we all keep our eyes on Jesus. That's the only way I know We keep our eyes on Him. I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet. But should the Lord tarry, there will be things that arise in the remainder of this year that will tempt your eyes to look to it and not Him.